Today's scripture reading comes from Isaiah 55, 9 through 11. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than yours. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish. So that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That wasn't low enough for me, Ron. That's all I got to say. Hey, uh, we're, we're glad you're here. And we do like to spend a few moments celebrating Father's Day. So uh, we, we're going to have a prayer for all of our dads in just a moment. But hey, we're, to find out who our dads are, if you became a dad for the first time this last year, first time or you had a child born into your family this last year, stand up, even if it was not your first child. Come on, any first-time fathers? There we go. Thanks a bunch. Now, great-granddads. Great-granddads. Anybody? Oh, yeah, I see you. I see you. If you can't stand, just raise your cane. It's all right. <laughs> oh, we're good. Now, all the dads stand up. And if, you consider, if you're a father figure in the life of someone, we want, we'd ask that you stand up, too. Whether you're dad, foster dad, someone looks out for each other. Youth group, come. They're going to bring you something. Ladies, you got a, a, a flower for you to smell the fragrant aroma all during the sermon. Dads, we got something different for you. We want to show our thanks and love. So you're going to get a package of M&Ms. Many thanks. Much love. And dads? Just open it, pull one out, keep it coming, keep the sugar high about right there, and stay awake today during my sermon. No, I'm just kidding. So when the youth group's going to come out, give you one of these uh, packages of M&Ms, and when you get one, if you'd have a seat, that'd be great. We, like to, we do enjoy celebrating fathers. We also recognize on a Father's Day that there's a whole variety of emotions. Some of you are overwhelmed with love and appreciation for a dad who showed you who Jesus was. Others of you didn't have that kind of father. Or some, you've lost that care and support that you had from a loving father. So we know that there are probably a variety of emotions that you're feeling right now. And we care, we want you to know but we want to pause in this moment and just be thankful. We do an awful lot on, on Father's Day to celebrate that. We did have donuts for Dad. I saw some of your kids bragging about having more than one donut. Their teachers appreciated that in class, I can tell you. It was the dads that feed the extra ones uh, to their kids out of love, right? Because Mom will take care of them. But we do a lot of things. You go, <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Hey, I got a package at first service. But if I have to listen to my sermon twice, I should get two. Maybe I should open and eat some so I can stay awake during the sermon. But uh, we did have our, our donuts with Dad. Didn't you love seeing the, the fathers and the sons up during our worship service? We like to do that when possible, and that, that's always a great time. Uh, I, I'm still wondering why, Ron, your son wasn't up here leading singing with you. I didn't ask, did I? <laughs> yeah. But we, we enjoy that part of it. And I want you to know, on Father's Day, we are having the picnic in the park this evening. It's the coolest day this week. It's also the first day of the week. There hadn't been another day. But it is cooler than yesterday and cooler than tomorrow. We'd love to have you grab something to eat, come out to pick, uh, the park, have a picnic. We are going to have snow cones, moon bounces. We'll also have a special devotional. So if you'd like to be a part of that tonight at 5, we would love to have you join us there as well 
Well, we do appreciate Where are you going with all my candy? I was going to munch during worship. <laughs> Thanks, youth group. We do love our youth group. They're very, very special to us. Hey, we're going to pause and say a prayer of thanks for our dads. God, once again, we do recognize you are Father in heaven, and uh, you bring everything good into our lives. And Father, we want to pause now and ask, thank you for the good fathers in this world, the ones that live their lives in such a way as help their children see you. And so for our many fathers, thank you. For our new ones, bless them. Give them the patience and peace, and may you bring men and fathers into their lives that can show them the path to walk. And for each of us, help us to take this next step, this next journey as father figures to be a blessing to those around us so that if they were to walk in our path, they would be aimed in your direction. Be with our fathers. Thank you so much for loving them and loving us. And may we show them the support and love that they so much deserve. Thank you so much, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray as together we all say, amen. What a joy to be together. Where we are in our sermon series, you're invited. And today our title is Drink Living Water. Most people spend their entire lives longing after something and pursuing something. They spend a, a lifetime searching for significance. And for all too many at the end of their life, they have not yet found it. Because they've been looking in the wrong place. And imagine for almost all of us, there's a part of us that has this hunger to be more like God and to live life like God meant for us to. Down in southeastern Oklahoma where I'm from, we used to take the good English word hankering and say, hankering, I'm hankering for a chicken fried steak. You know, it's a longing. I have an appetite. I'm hungry for something and it has not yet been fulfilled. It's not been satisfied. Do you, yeah, go for it, Mo. Yeah, Mo's already on two M&Ms and I'm still in the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Mo and I are friends from college, aren't we, Mo? Yeah, I was his RA, and he was in his room every night, just like he was supposed to be. We had a good time. About the only one. Mo and I have a lot of stories on each other. You don't tell yours, I won't tell mine. We have, a, uh, we have this desire to, to do something. It's, uh, it, it, have you ever heard the this, this statement, I... I I want something so bad I can almost taste it. What a terrible thought. I mean, you have this desire for something. You can almost taste it, but it, it gives you nothing. And in this world, what the world puts out in front of us is, here, do you want this? Can you almost taste it? And yet it is not fulfilling. It does not meet our thirst. That's what the world offers us so much. That's why we have this feeling of not finding satisfaction, not getting, being fulfilled in life. This is the time of the year on the billboards as you drive down the highway at 110 miles, I mean, at, no, as you drive down the highway and it's 110 outside, you're not going 110 miles an hour, it's 110 outside and they put on the billboards these wonderful bottles of water sitting halfway in ice with condensation off the side of your favorite soft drink and saying, hey, stop right up here at the gas station. They, they, they bring out in you a desire to fulfill this thirst because it's so hot outside. Back in southeastern Oklahoma, that was a hankering for an RC coat and a moon pie but it, you want to have this by the way that is not satisfying I just want you to know it is not but it, it makes you want to stop what they're trying to do is to change your actions to get you to pull over and stop and buy something and that's what the world's all about to get your attention to uh, draw upon your desire for accomplishment and fulfillment 
and say, pull over here, this is where it's going to be found. And yet it is taste and no substance. What we hunger for, what we thirst for, determines our actions. And this world cannot meet that deep need. We're going to go to two passages today. We're going to start in John 4, and then we're going to go over and look at the chapter of Isaiah 55. But if you want to follow along, let's start out in John chapter 4. Jesus is on a journey. I don't know how hot it was outside, but I know the area he was in, and it was probably hot. And we hear of this, this living water. He introduces us to it. John 4, beginning in verse 4. Now, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. He is traveling. And anybody that's traveling on foot like this, physically it is demanding on them. Verse 6. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. You notice the parts that I highlighted in yellow. It's just to show that Jesus understands the physical aspect of a journey. He was feeling tired. He was thirsty. He was hungry as he sits by the well. And the woman responds to his request in verse 9. You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. And the woman's very surprised by this. Are you wanting me to quench your thirst, or are you more concerned about being ceremonially clean? I mean, by associating with me. If I serve you, you become ceremonially unclean. What matters most to you? And Jesus answers her, and it's not about him. It's about her thirst instead of his. And Jesus says, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus not only knew his thirst and how physically others thirst in this world, he also could see in her and in others the spiritual thirst that was much more than you could get from Jacob's well. He knew his needs, but he also was sensitive to the needs of others. He knew her longings, and he knew life had not satisfied her. Pursuing what the world said would bring happiness did not bring it. Her search for meaning and significance had not been quenched. And she responds by saying, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? She, like many of us, just use our brains, and we live in this world, and that doesn't make any sense. You talk about this living water that, that will quench me, but you don't even have a bucket or a way of reaching down and getting the water. I mean, use your head, use your brain, be practical. Jesus saw in this woman the ability to quench his physical thirst. She had what it took, but she failed to see his ability to quench her spiritual thirst. So Jesus responds and says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will come in them, become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus 
contrasts those two thirsts. Says you can drink this water and it will quench your physical thirst. But what I offer is something that will bring satisfaction of a lifetime of eternity. There is a difference in, between our longings in this world and the longings of our hearts. And that's what we want to think about for the next few moments. How can I find fulfillment that satisfies my deepest longings, not just my immediate thirst? And to answer the question, we're going to go over to Isaiah 55, and we're just going to make a few practical observations as we walk through the chapter about how to quench our deepest thirst, our deepest desires, the desires of the heart. And first of all, the first observation I would make is we just have to first, first of all recognize that we're thirsty. I mean, you have to, you have to know that, that I know something's missing, that, that I don't have it. This thirst, this desire is still there. So recognize our thirst, Isaiah 55, verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty... Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Are you thirsty? This thirst I'm talking about is not just for poor people who don't seem to have much in life, where things don't seem to be going well. This thirst and this offer to, to come to the living water is, has nothing to do with social standing. You can be rich, you can be poor, there's no dress requirements. The only requirement to come to this living water is to be thirsty, to recognize you have this desire inside of you. Even those that are living in the midst of abundance have longings. They're looking for significance and fulfillment. And Jesus says, look, come right here. It is free. God says that in Isaiah, and Jesus said it all through his ministry. He wanted people to hear him. Back over in John, in John chapter 6, verse 35, he, he declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He says, I'm able to satisfy your hunger and your thirst. And if you don't get it, Again, the next chapter of John, John 7, 37, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Jesus declares that he is the source of this living water, and it is free, but that doesn't mean it's cheap. Many times if something's free, we just think it's cheap. It's second rate. It's not the good stuff. What Jesus says, you, you're, you're bankrupt you have no ability to pay for this, but I did. And now would you come and drink? So you have to recognize our thirst. Back over to Isaiah 55, verse 2. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. He says, why do you keep pursuing the world? You spend all your money on things that's just fake. I mean, it's, it's bread that doesn't satisfy you. You just get that hunger again. Why do you spend all your time working to get something that does not fulfill that? Instead of pursuing what the world says will bring that, why not pursue God? And in Jesus it's not the cheap, it's not second rate, it is the richest affair. 
It's the best. It's the good stuff. Better than money can buy. Better than money can buy. You can't buy this stuff. But here it is offered by Jesus. And as sinners, we're all bankrupt. We can spend all we have and we won't find satisfaction. But God offers for free freedom, true satisfaction, real significance. So recognize your thirst. I mean, are you hungry? Are you desire more? And if you do, then pay attention to God. Pay attention to that hunger. Isaiah 55, 3. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. Well, there's a lot in these few verses. But the thing I want to highlight is that God is trying to say, listen. And, and not just hear, but really listen to me. You ever try to get a toddler to listen to you at times? I watch you moms and dads try and get a youngster, teachers, to, to listen to you. And they are distracted by everything. Their eyes are everywhere. They see a, a bird flying or a cloud that looks like, or an ant. They see the littlest of things, and they have a hard time listening to you because they're so distracted. So you see the mom or the teacher or the dad say, hey, eyes here, eyes here, look at, look at me. And, and they wait until they, you have your attention. That's still hard enough to pay attention, but look at me. And it's like God is saying, stop, stop. Look at me. Listen to what I have to say. Because what I have to say is not going to make sense if you're distracted by the world and what the world is saying you should do. And, and to the children of Israel, he says, I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful, promise, my faithful love promised to, to David. Some of you have been listening to God long enough in your life, you know what he's talking about here. But if you haven't gotten that far yet, Jesus is in the line of David. He died on the cross. He fulfilled that faithful love promised and is found in Jesus. So listen, listen. And when you listen, don't just, um, don't listen saying, yeah, but every other, you know, God says this, yeah, but God, yeah. I mean, this is what, yeah, but I don't know about that. Be patient with yourself. Have an open mind. Look for truth, not look for fault all the time. But most importantly, if you want to listen to God, you have to listen again and again. And the end result can be an everlasting covenant. That same faithful love promised to David. So you've got to recognize, I have this desire, this hunger. And then pay attention to God. And after you've listened, the choice is yours. Will you decide to change? Back in our text, verses 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. God's grace is like a free banquet laid out for us. But there are some conditions. We have to recognize we're thirsty. In other words, we have to understand we are sinful people, not satisfied by the world, and have allowed unrighteousness and wickedness to come into our lives. In other words, we have to decide we're going to change. 
We got to repent. We got to not live that way any longer. We have some adjustings we have to do, and the time of adjustment is limited. But the door's wide open now. It's wide open. We need to decide to change now. So, how do you seek the Lord? How do you decide to change? Not just agreeing, I need to change, but do it now. Stop dilly dallying around, like my dad would say. Get after it. Do it now. Become intentional in your relationship with God. See that relationship with God as of the highest value, more than anything this world can offer. Listen to God. And listen without talking back. I mean, don't get me wrong. God loves to I mean, tell what you feel to God. But, you know, really listen to him. Not with the, the desire of trying to prove him wrong, but to hear what he has to say. And then realign your life with Christ. And stop looking at God at like he's just an appetizer. You know, it's the first day of the week. It's morning time on a Sunday. Just eat a little appetizer here, then live life. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not what satisfies. Live with God every moment of every day. Decide to change. And when you need to make that decision, you have to decide you're not going to follow the world. Instead, you're going to follow God. And when you follow, we can only follow in faith. Verses 8 and 9. Why? Because if you try and figure it all out, you just can't do it. There comes a time when we just have to follow in faith. As God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I mean, there comes a time you just have to follow in faith because you can't figure it all out in this world. I mean, what the world says and how they ought to give advice and what God is trying to say, it's a wide gap. It's a gap that our minds are not big enough to cross. I mean, we might look at our lives and say, hey, I don't see that much wrong in my life. And in this world, people might even look at you and say, yeah, you're, you're, comparatively speaking, you're a good guy. But God looks at things differently. It's not how our neighbor sees us. It's how God sees us. And we have to follow God and do it in faith. Even when we don't understand completely, we have to believe that he is the one. And if we will humbly listen to his word and keep his word, sometimes when we don't fully understand it, he blesses us. Keep going in our text, verses 10 and 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seeds for the sower and bread for the eater, eater. They, they knew this in Canaan. You know, in Egypt, they had the Nile River. And even in drought times, they had the Nile right there for them, the crops. But in Canaan, they didn't have a Nile or a Tigris or Euphrates River. They relied on rain. And, and they knew when rain comes down from heaven, it waters the earth so that it can bud and flourish, and it provides enough grain that I have seed to sow next year and to make into bread to eat right now. That's what God's word does, he's saying. So he continues, verse 11, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, 
but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word is like rain. You have to have complete reliance on it. It's the only way we flourish and blossom, both now and also in the future. I love that image of snow. It's like the rain in the snow. What's the purpose of snow? You ask them up in the mountains right now, that snow's melting and it's watering the earth. Sometimes we get it right now. Sometimes God's word comes to light years later. In fact, those of you who have been studying the Bible the longest in this room, when I listen to you teach, here's something I commonly hear you say. You know, I've read this verse a hundred times. It just occurred to me that, hadn't that happened to just about all of us? It just keeps melting in our lives. And it keeps making a difference. And that's the rain that comes from God. We can't control it. We just receive it. And this is what gives us ability to conquer even death. Because it, it nourishes us. It causes us to bud and to flourish and overcome what's in front of us. We follow in faith. Just follow. And in so doing, we find a satisfaction that endures. Verses 12 and 13. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. In other words, you can't keep the earth silent. If you're not screaming and yelling, all of the earth is going to be. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. And instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. And there's an awful lot more here. But let me just say, the end is much better than anything we could dream of. And if you choose not to live that life, that's okay. This earth is going to make a joyful noise anyway. You know, in a real sense, <clears throat> sin in the garden turned the garden into a desert. As one writer said, and in a real sense, grace took the desert and turned it into a garden where we can flourish and grow and find abundant satisfaction. And Jesus, when he saw the woman at the well, and I might add, when he sees us, he really saw her. He, he saw the time of day it was and the misery of having to come on that regular routine to, to pull water. And he saw the lack of satisfaction in her life. And so he talks about a living water that would quench the deep thirst. And in John 14, 15, the woman said to him, Yep, you're right, I'm thirsty. Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Do you ha have the same kind of thirst? Because what I'm talking about, you can find, it is not found in how many marriages you have or how much money you've made or how many hours you worked or any of the other things this world lifts up and puts on the billboards to try and gain our attentions and change our actions. 
Do you long for deeper satisfaction? Jesus is going to show her, and she's going to discover that if you want it, come to the well, come to the water. Drink the living water that is Jesus. So back to Isaiah 55, verse 1. Here's the invitation. I think this is what God is trying to tell us today. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cause. Come and get what sustains life. And yes, I know you don't have the price to pay. This concept lies so close to the heart of God and what he is trying to to help people understand that he mentions it again in Revelation. Revelation 22, 17, near the close of the writings. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. I think that's the message for us today. This world hasn't brought you the satisfaction it offered. Come. Come. Don't hesitate. Don't just sit there thinking about it. Stop making excuses. Get up. Act. Come to him. God has a rich spiritual gift feast prepared for you it's one that will satisfy the longings of your heart both now tomorrow and forever and it's free you couldn't pay the price anyway but Jesus did we're going to sing a song all to Jesus I surrender we call it an invitation song because it's an invitation for you to respond to what God might be saying to you today if you've never given your life to Christ in baptism won't you do so today if you need to return to him if we can help you in any way we'd love to pray for you but I hope each of us will take the time of singing this song to reflect on our own personal lives I'd also point out a couple of our shepherds and their wives will be in the parlor if you'd like to share some things with with them they'd love to receive you and pray for you all to Jesus I surrender let's stand and sing